Well, I just cannot believe what happened this morning. Um, um, absolutely unprecedented. We could call this episode, I think we should call it The Flood. And um, my good friend here, Huey Kilban, has literally saved the day um, running this morning with Matthew. Go on, Matthew, you explain what happened there because that was quite something. Oh, yeah, well, well, we, had a nice, we had a nice run with the, uh, the Striders, didn't we, this morning out from, from Windle. And then, uh, yeah, I, I went back to the shop to pick up my laptop and stuff so we can record this, this very podcast. The, uh, the only reason the you. The only reason going back to the shop, yeah. To, to pick up reason. a piece of equipment. A bit of equipment, yeah. And got, what happened? And I uh, got there and uh, we, we share a corridor at the, at the shop with the flats above us and it was it was flooded. There was water Flood. coming out all down Pumping the Pumping out, yeah. Pumping out. Yeah. Um, our basement was being filled at the bottom of the shop. It was a good sort of. Sort of desk height worth of, of, of water in there, and mm. uh, yeah, on the phone to the landlord, on the phone to United Utilities, and then I get I get, a, I get a message from Matthew saying I don't I think we're gonna have to cancel this this show today. And I was like, well, there's a map, there's a big problem at the shop. So Huey arrives for the podcast, and then we go down there to the scene of the crime, and uh, what do we find? Matthew's on the phone, of course. Um, to United Utilities, Huey, the the man's man that he is, gets straight into it, p- picks up his toolbox, goes straight into like the Titanic. It was going down. The lion's den. The lion's den. The ship was sinking. Huey went in there. I felt like th- it was the end, and he he, he managed to to cut off. The, the water within, uh, I think it was it was a 60 second job, the way you, you work, you just knew what you were doing. <coughs> and then we had a look, the basement, oh jeez, dangerous down there, the basement, mm. electricity and that, the water. Fuse boxes. Jesus Christ, that, yeah. that is, is rough. But luckily, the shop itself is all intact. There's no damage within the shop. Um, and I think... I think we owe Huey a new pair of trainers. I'm sure we'll have a chat after I, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll find out what she's Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get something. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll keep the viewers happy. Yeah. <laughs> now, Listeners. welcome to the mother of all podcast, Mr. Huey Cabana, a good friend of mine from the West Coast, County Mayo, Muscle, Mr. Muscles. Uh, MMA, MMA, mixed martial arts, uh, he's interested in, he, he practices, he's very much keen on that. He's a brawler, I've seen him involved in, in many incidents and, and, and uh, <laughs> issues within his own life and he, he's calmed down, he comes to me for therapy, <laughs> not, not quite true. And then the boxing aspect of it, very good boxer, we, we've gone to, to, to witness one of your, your victories. And uh, hopefully you'll be boxing very soon. I think you've got something, something. Poss- possibly at the end of September. It depends. Depends on the weight and you know my progress. Now tell me, you know, you, you've done a bit of sprinting, and um, we actually first met at one of Ray Vos's sessions. Me and mm-hmm. you at Saint Helens Sutton, which Matthew is the chairman. <coughs> What's where we first met? Tell me about your history within running itself, because yes, we're, we're bringing you on the show more of a boxer from another sport which is different so this mm. is a different podcast we've already had the flood so it's all always going to be different but tell, please tell us about the running side of things to begin with I, I actually started running when I was about I actually started running when I was about 17, 18 
<coughs> I remember starting running and um, I was I got terrible shin splints at the start when I started running. Um, but now I was 21. I read this book on it was called Evolution Running. Okay. Uh, really good book for anybody out there, and it um, it mm. improves. So it, it it goes into basically your foot strike. Who's it written by? You know, I don't know, but you okay. you'd have to okay. yeah you'd have to Google it. But um, yeah, so it, it it went into your tempo, your foot stride, um, where your hips should be in line when you foot strike, and it, it, that was a lot to do with your foot economy. Um, and you know, oftentimes you'll see runners if you slow down. Their videos. I actually slowed down one of your videos, and you come, you strike your foot, and you come up over your hip and down again. And that, if you can improve on your foot strike, you can improve your running economy. Um, well, Matthew, that's interesting because Matthew often says I'm quite a, sort of a jumpy, yeah, sort of bouncy, bouncy. Yeah. yeah. So that would uh, relate to what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. You probably yeah. use a lot of energy with the your, your vertical. Vertical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Up and down. Going up and down rather mm-hmm. than linear. Yeah. Path of linear. Yeah. You, know, you, yeah. you, see, you see, like some of the, the very top athletes, if you watch them run, it's everything really efficient. You know, there's not mm-hmm. really any deviation in height. The, you know, the arm movements are, are really nice and controlled. Yeah. It's just the balance sort of thing. And yeah. there's not overuse arm action or anything. That, so, um, would that be more instead of pushing upwards, pushing forwards a bit more? Well, what, yeah. what, 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 what the book taught me was to use the elasticity of my calf muscles because that's what they're there for. And I, I found that I, I just almost, it was saying in the book that you almost let yourself feel like you're about to fall forward. But you use the elastic, the spring of your calf muscles, the recoil, to, to drive your, you know, as, as the trajectory. Yeah. And you keep your hips balanced then. Yeah. And uh, that massively improved my running. It's, it's a lot of like, because you get like, I mean, obviously in the shop, a lot of people ask like, oh, should I be heel striking? Or should I be running up on uh-huh. the and stuff? And obviously the whole like... Um, barefoot runner movement brought that yeah. lot to the front and things yeah. and everything and you know there's, there's, there's swings and roundabouts on that because there's you know if you're not having any problems and no issues you know do you want to mess around with how you run to maybe get yeah. fractions of a thing but at the ta- same time potentially risking injuries because you're suddenly changing something yeah. that's already working for you but, uh, but I mean heel striking as a, as a thing really comes around from, from running shoes because yeah, they're heavy, exactly. They're heavy in the heel, the thickness protect, in the heel, yeah, to protect yeah. the heel bone. Yeah, but that obviously makes them heavy, and that means obviously gravity taking effect. Yeah, the heel comes down first. But yeah, if you're heel striking, you are naturally breaking because you're you're applying a force down and forward, mm-hmm. and the opposite yeah, force yeah. is up and backwards, which is yeah. obviously not the direction you're trying to. No, trying to, to, to go, go forward. Yeah, you know, yeah. Your, your mid foot, four foot strike allows mm-hmm. you to put the forces down and backwards, mm-hmm. so equal opposite forces mm-hmm. upwards and forwards, which is your yeah, yeah. Momentum, so. I, I, I found with that running technique when I started doing it, and it was awkward at the start. I was like, so I, I, I the idea was that I wanted to do a triathlon or a duathlon. There's one called Gale Force West back home. And this is when which, you came in at seventeen, eighteen. No, this, this, this is this is about twenty one when I was starting to get into really into fitness okay. and running. So you moved on into the triathlon then. Yeah, I, I decided in my head I was going to do this thing called Gale, Gale Force West. Mm. It's on the west coast of Ireland, and it's in the town of Westport. Oh, yeah. Um yeah. and it goes through. I think it might go through Killery Harbour. I'm not sure. And then, uh, so you do a run, cycle, and a swim, and then you run up and down Crow Patrick. I think. What are those distances again? Uh, oh, I think it was like you know your your sprint, your Olympic uh, triathlon. Mm-hmm. So I think there was maybe a, a kilo- kilometer swim, yeah. kilometer swim across the harbour, and then a run, and then a, and then up and down Crow Patrick. You know, so a couple of miles, like you know. I think you're a good, you're a decent swimmer. 
Yeah, I'm not a bad swimmer. We'll get on to that in a sec. But the, the, the point I was making with the, the what I found with the running technique from Evolution Running is that mm. I was forced to improve my, my cadence. So my foot strike increased and I found like it, it, it brought up my, almost like brought up my heart rate a small bit. But once I got into the rhythm of that, I found that I could run very economically like, um, very economically like, you know. So I, I you know, I, I went up then to run in seven miles every morning, which isn't a lot to anybody listening or you guys. But for me, as a, a novice runner, uh, I was running quite well, like, you know. But the reason I stopped is because I was losing too much weight on my shoulders and that. And I was sort of into boxing and stuff too. So, you know, obviously your body compensates. I, I, I can't even, like, lift too many shoe boxes in the shop because I put, I put muscle on my, on my arms and I get too heavy then. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's weird, but I can feel like if I'm, if I'm in the shop and we get, like, a really busy week and I know I'm lifting shoe boxes up and yeah. down all day long. You don't want to feel this little bit of weight on the shoulders when I go to do me like next runner. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, just that little bit too heavy. Up, up a body yeah, mass. yeah, yeah. I, just, I mean, that's you know my body type. I adapt muscle really quick. Yeah, so yeah. I want to be careful on stuff when I do something that isn't running related. Great for when I'm doing my running training. And yeah, yeah. Holes and stuff like that. But if yeah. I do anything that's upper body, like I, 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 don't, <coughs> know, I don't. Oh, definitely. Like when you're carrying it, yeah. yeah, and and the tightness as well. Yeah. Like I find like the tightness around. With that rolling technique, I found that it, 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 it said that, you, you know, you should keep, as you said, keep your hands in a neutral position. Yeah. I found that I, my chest was out more, that I was more forward facing yeah. and the feet were just, and, and if you try this technique, you'll find that you're, you, you will naturally bounce off the spring on your calf muscle, the recoil. It's when your calf is fully extended behind yeah. you and, it's, and, it, and, it, and you let your foot up, it will, it will spring. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And um, the Achilles tendon. Yeah, the, the Achilles tendon yeah. and the calf that yeah. stretch and it and it and it bounces back like you know, which also helps drive you. You know, yeah. so you're new using your biomechanics yeah. to run as well. You know, as a boxer, how do you find that balance between running and and all the other training that's involved? What would would it depend on the weight division? Uh, would it be different for say a heavyweight to a lightweight what kind of running would, would be involved well I, I, I wouldn't be like a very I'd just be a novice boxer but like I mean uh, it's different like you know when amateurs you, you would probably train more uh, high tempo so track training would be good for I would say an, an amateur boxer you know sets of 10 by 400 meters to build the explosiveness and to keep your heart rate up you know, with a minute rest, like, you know, okay. like you do on the track, so you know, yeah. you're minute 20. Yes. In my case, it was minute five. <laughs> no, but, um, um, but with professional boxers, then they would run longer mileage. They, some professional boxers would do a couple of miles, you know, five, six miles, seven miles. What, uh, how Floyd, Floyd Mayweather was a, well, I, I, I would say, you know, a professional boxer would probably run, run twice long, you know, like if I, I, I would say if I was, fighting professionally like or I was fighting for a couple of rounds I would say I'd probably run four to five miles twice a week maybe and then in between that you do explosiveness sprints um drill work then on your feet like you know so fast feet drill work um which you mightn't think is anything but it, it kills your tendons and your ligaments out in the muscles in your legs in your calves like you know that really burns your calf muscles out like you know how many sessions then generally would let's say the Mayweathers of this world be doing per week so you've got those running sessions two, two, two of those uh, long ones there's three run sessions 
and then how many other sessions? You know, how many? Oh, he, he that that guy could be could be training three times a day, like three times. A he, day. Could, he could be, yeah. yeah. Well, Mayweather was famous that, for getting up in the morning and then training at, at at you know at two a.m. in the morning. He he really? he really? yeah he he get up and he'd open the gym and he'd hit the bags and yeah. you know Mike Mike Tyson used to get up at five a.m. to have that extra edge on other fighters. He'd get up at five a.m. Right, okay. He'd run. He'd do his you know I think he'd do a three mile run and he'd go back to bed and. He'd have his sleep, and it's you know, as you know yourselves, like as John Downs, who who you had on here. Yes, and you were um, in the audience that day. I was what in did, the audience. What did, you, what did you feel about that particular? Oh, uh, powerful man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, great, great, like just a great person to be around. I'd say, like you know, because like I nothing's unachievable. Mm. You know what I mean? Like his mindset, like you know, and that's yes. like he'd be a great coach. Like you know, I was saying to John Joe, like it'd be great to have in your corner, like or just the. You can see the drive in him, like, and he's not lost it. It's just his yeah, body's yeah. got older. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. but he's still, he's still driven in his mind, like, you know. Mm. Um, but, uh, or he mentioned in his voice note that he'd sent to you, I think you'd said, um, or one of his messages, he'd sent to you the importance of when he was going through COVID and he got his fitness right up and it was rest, rest, rest. You know, so he was running. He said no, he had no, more. Not not COVID. Uh, uh, back in the early nineties, uh, when he had. Um, oh yeah. He had a, a a year of where he was able to to take the sport. Take more time professionally, yeah. really. Yeah. His, his parents moved in with him. That That's was, right. That was an, That's right. An article which he'd written, and I, I, when you read it out, I, mm -hmm. I showed you that article. I read it last night. Yeah. And he um, within that year, he was practically a professional for a year or maybe uh -huh. eighteen months. Uh, and it was that short period, and that's when he ran his best, as a uh, say, where he had the time to dedicate himself to the sport. So he would get up early, yeah. run, like the Mike Tyson at five a.m. and, and then shower, go, yeah, really yeah, rest, and that rest, he, he emphasised the rest, yeah. which Matthew actually mentioned uh, this morning, didn't you, Matthew? How it was so important, rest. Yeah, yeah. And you discovered that more recently. Or? Yeah, well, yeah, I think well, yeah, as you get. I think just as you get a bit older and stuff like that, I think, I think no matter how many years mm. you've been running, you're always learning. And I think, yeah, it's sort of the, you, the stuff that you take for granted, like rest, like, I mean, strength and conditioning is something, you know, runners are, are pretty awful at, to be fair. We, we sort of laugh at it, the fact that, you know, people do it and things, because it's, you know, we just go out and run. But it's definitely something that, for me, this last year has become an essential part of my, my training and, and things to just maintain fitness as I've got older and, and, and keep yeah. myself from getting injuries and things mm. because the body starts to break down and mm. you know so building in a strength and conditioning program has, has, has been key and not only to, to stop from injuries but to also well yeah to, to stop from injuries but to um, as, uh, as the physio said at, at the London Marathon when I, when I saw him after was that you know to, to bulletproof yourself you know mm. on the future you do you know if you, you're doing all the work to get yourself to a position <laughs> where you can be on the start line at, at something like the, at the London Marathon in the elite race or something like that for yourself is then to allow myself to be able to compete against the other guys that are there. Mm. And that's the stuff that they're doing. You know, yeah, they're professional athletes, they're full-time, it's all they do, but, mm. you know, strength and conditioning is part of that programme. And so, you know, you, I'm doing the hard work of the training, the running, the miles and stuff mm. like that, and, you know, you've got to do that extra little bit. Mm. Um, how, how Can I ask you, because I, I've actually, I've mentioned this to John Joe a couple of times about his, is he doing strength and conditioning? He yes, said he, I was going to bring this up. Yeah. So, uh, no, I do, I do a lot of strength and conditioning, well, but last year you were saying to me, uh, and I didn't quite You said agree. you felt a bit fatigued. No, you, you said, I think you, your idea was, 
it, for me to get up and down those hills, maybe it was a couple of years ago actually, you were saying, I think you should be lifting a bit of weights, pushing weights on the legs. Explosiveness. Explosive. Yeah. And I didn't quite buy into that idea, but I, I would actually maybe listen to that idea more now because it, as I am doing a lot more mm. circuit based mm -hmm. and, and kettlebells and that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. I am in PB form. Mm -hmm. So maybe yeah, what you were saying at the time uh, would would have some uh, truth in it. Yeah, because I like I imagine like that you know I think at the time like that we were talking about this you were feeling a little bit fatigued. I don't think your running was going that well, and now it is as you say you're in PB yes. time, and I think that you know different like coach, different yeah, setup. Well, you well, know, well, um, like as as Matthew said, like you know if you're if you're pushing up to the year high enough, high enough down now the two E, like you know, so like I imagine like that. You know that that extra strength and conditioning, it, it and it is that endurance. Like it's not just, you know, there are times where you're going to have to force muscularly. You know, not just endurance wise. You know what I mean? You're going to have to drive up them hills. Yeah. Well, so I, I one of the interesting things with John Joe at the moment, I think, is is off the training he's doing. Like he's in the shape that he was a couple of years ago, but he's doing it in a way now. I think very different. Say, very different. very different way. Whereas, you know, a couple of years ago, it was, well, when I was living with you and we were doing yeah, sort of yeah. 70, 80 mile weeks, you were hammering mm. long runs at tempo mm. paces, we were doing stuff, and you were running around, you know, 15 minutes dead, you, you ran still 15 for well, 5k. Yeah, Whereas now, yeah, you're doing actually, a, yeah, a lot of strength and conditioning work and not running anywhere, you know, you, what is, it, is it four days a week, three days a week you're doing your running now? I'm only running four days a week, four so week, my mileage is probably down yeah. at 30 right. to 40 Real miles. quality yeah. sessions you're doing, aren't you? Your long run is your, is your, is your one longest endurance space run and then a lot of strength and conditioning stuff in yeah. there but also yeah. with your job with you being you know mm. you're working full-time and stuff like that to manage your time to manage your recovery and that rest and things yeah. like that that program is is allowing you to do just as much and probably be more sustainable at that level yes than mm -hmm. when you were doing those yes. 70 80 mile weeks where you were left you know you were always really fatigued fatigued really tired yeah and yeah uh, you could still hit our yeah. training and yeah you were having those performances but it wasn't probably sustainable for you. I'll, I'll, yeah. Yeah. I'll agree with you, and I, but I'll also add, which is very, very important, I think, <laughs> that when I look back two years ago, <laughs> we say that the performances were, were equal to the performances now, but actually they, they were not. Um, there was only two standout performances. There was the 14.50 at Mid-Cheshire, the 31.33 at Telford, when I, had, when I was literally limping that day. But now... When we compare that period, I, I did three three sizzlers, sell sizzlers. The best I did was fifteen thirty odd. Yeah. I did, I ran one sizzler most recently fifteen oh seven. There's a, a huge step up right now. I can see. I know for a fact. Well, I've had five PBs recently in 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 various uh, thing, uh, distances. Yeah. I know for a fact I'm now a stronger athlete. Yeah. Uh, and 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 when I compare, there's no comparison because back then I only had two standout performances. Yeah. And and when I look back, yes, I was leaving the best behind me in training. That's for sure. The easy runs on top of the physicality of the job were just burying me in the snow. Mm. So when when I look back at all of that, I think well, it's a bit different now because using that cross <laughs> cross training element. So if they're on my feet, if they're asking me to load the wagons, mm -hmm. pay me as a driver, which they, they do quite often these days, um, I'll load the wagons, which I'm on my feet for six, seven miles a day, pushing alongside the wagon. But then instead of doing these easy runs, which is another seven, eight, sometimes it was 10 miles with yourself, I'm going into the gym, I'm doing boxing, boxer size type training, mm -hmm. pad work, 
circuits. I'm using more upper body. I'm still getting that cardiovascular. I'm still getting the system. I'm still panting mm-hmm. with me, me good mate Kevin Kennedy, who you've met, you both mm-hmm. met. I, I'm, I'm, I'm exerting myself. So it's it, for me, everything I do now is pushing myself to the max. Mm-hmm. The only slow thing is the Sunday slow run. That's the only thing. So the other six set. Six uh, sessions are all ball, <coughs> balls out, shall we say? Yeah. But what, when I look at the package, I, I've got to say, well, let's leave it as it is. But then, when I step back from the totality of it, there will be a point where I'll say, well, hang on, am I able to improve any further here? What what could I possibly do? It's very difficult with work and and whatnot. Um, racing more at the minute and enjoying those races. Uh, and also surprising myself with with back to back sort of PBs. Mm. Um, yeah. I think you had a fantastic run at the, the national league. Yeah, in, uh, the, in the, the rain and the wind. Three thousand, yeah. Eight forty eight. Yeah, yeah, big PB. Four seconds. And at the national league, it's not often you know you get a good race at these at the no, league races. No. You know the quality isn't always there. It's and just as reserved for some of the like, very ha- nights and stuff. Very, ha- very happy with that. And and the the, the 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 amazing thing I think you know. And, it's the fact that I'd run that 5k two days before 1507 you mentioned uh, and Richard Burney mentioned I'd, I'd taken a couple of scalps mm. um, yeah, a fella called Gre- Greaves was yeah it? Matt Greaves a good, uh, real good runner yeah, yeah. I'm uh, sure he, I can't remember if he's broke da- 14 14 for 5k yeah. he's just very very close to it if he hasn't and then Darcy is he the fella in the red yeah. I know his face Salford, uh, yeah, I yeah, say yeah. hello to him I don't know Don't you know these are very good runners so mixing it with them uh, but still, mm. still only finishing fourth by seven seconds, and and I enjoy that, and it's great to be a part of, and and to get beat, and then you know I go and shake those guys' hands. They beat yeah. me further in the square, a couple yeah. of seconds here and there, and then um, and then you walk away, and you, you think, well, actually, that was a good result because I, I ran probably thirty seconds better than I did two years ago when I had three attempts at the same distance, the mm. same race. The same twisty, turny course yeah. that, that it is, but it's fast. So, so, I, I, so I, you, you're, you're, yeah, you're, so you're just just on the point yeah. of you talking about, you know, like oh, what 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 do you do? Do you change? You know, like I think you change nothing now, like because no, in the no, last no. couple of months, mm. how much have you improved? And you, you've got a lot of yeah. PBs, you say. Yeah. So you know the the blueprint is the winning blueprint, isn't it? The improvement blueprint. So yeah. keep that going, like keep you know, going. and then in a year's time, you know, you keep might, keep up your strength and conditioning. Keep up these, you know, quality mm. sessions. And that's the other thing. I'm not getting injured either. You're not, not getting injured. The plantar fasciitis, which I would right. often often suffer. Uh-huh. I feel it coming on me just a little bit, but it doesn't happen because I'm in the gym then doing the boxing. Conditioning on the and, and the muscular strength. You uh, need that. Yeah. To, to avoid the impact as well. Well, that's what I was saying yeah. to myself. You know, this last year has been a, a big thing that I've implemented is that strength and conditioning yeah. program to it to yeah. maintain all the areas that are weak, weak hips, mm-hmm. weak, you know, hamstrings, stuff like that, mm-hmm. strength and everything else. So the, the Ian Lawton approach, which uh, we've had him on the show twice, but he was in his 40s, mm-hmm. phenomenal athlete. Mm-hmm. He trains 10 times a week and he's working as well, mm-hmm. uh, fair play to him, but he's only running three times a week. He's a triathlete uh, and the fact that he's mixing these different disciplines mm-hmm. he's able to perform at a very high level mm-hmm. very interesting it was the swimming that he put to the swimming was the, was the key yeah. sort of said this last this last sort of 18 months or so it wasn't uh, uh, yeah. he's implemented swimming oh, no he's always had the swim, but yeah. he, he thinks that's he's been his biggest conditioning yes. that the conditioning yeah the yeah his swimming's so, brilliant and because he's 42 yeah I mean it's non-impact of course like you know 
mean, um, amazing. I mean, he beat Matthew in a race there. Three, uh, three races beat me three, in a yeah, race. Yeah, uh, and, and phenomenal. You say with a smart John Jordan. No. <laughs> he does, he does. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're all good friends, and it's great to see them competing against one another and challenging each other, but with very different recipes. And I think as you get older, um, <laughs> but I was listening to a, a Masters, Irish Masters athlete, much older than myself, um, winning a lot of his, his category victories, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting, he didn't do easy runs either. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just did balls out sessions and then yeah. I think he might have mixed it with some cross training. And then you think, well, this is not really the thing that most would advocate, but mm-hmm. there is obviously some evidence now that's building mm-hmm. um, to suggest that, well, there's different ways of doing things, you know, you don't all have to do You've been this. looking for a good bike, haven't you? I've got one in this. Have you not seen it? There, I was, people have been told you were yeah, yeah, yeah. in search of advice about a good bike. No, the reason uh, being it was, take a, up some, uh, it was a cycle to work scheme. Okay, you know, I, I love a freebie. Yeah, uh, it's not quite sure. free. No, it's it's not, my, my own speculation, you were looking at triathlons. Oh, no, no, no. I never, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. never, uh, never, uh, yeah. I never wish to, to, um, to Are you do a good that. swimmer, John Joe? Can you swim? I can swim, but I wouldn't. I, I say I, I could become a good swimmer, but I wouldn't yeah. say I'm certainly not a good swimmer because I've never really, nearly, you know, I've never really like yourself practiced and, and mm. got those the coaching that, that's available because it's it's out there, you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. very popular now. Yeah. But to to take on the triathlon, you you know you, it's it's going to water things down in some ways, I think, because you you do it so point, yeah. you know. But let's get back on to the topic of Mr. Huey Kilban, very interesting character. Um, great to have you here this morning. Now you say you're a novice. I don't see you as a novice at all. You know, you you, you, you take that sport very seriously, and you're very good, very good at boxing. Um, everyone wants to know about bare knuckle fist fighting. Now, is that a completely different thing? Would running would running be necessary <laughs> for a bare knuckle fist fight or it, not? It would. Yeah, running is your is is your as you said when you you you'd said you'd spoken to Steve Birch from the local yeah JC's gym. We'll give him a shout out. Yeah, um, brilliant coach, and it was a brilliant fantastic boxer club, himself. Yeah. Won, won a Commonwealth uh, silver medal, I think. Yeah, silver medal. Yeah, yeah fantastic fighter. Like, mm. um, and you'd said that he'd mentioned um that. Running is the one of the hardest things for them to have to do. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah for um, a boxer, yeah, because it's it's something r- r- that running yeah. is. Look, there's there's a couple. Of th- r- running opens up your lungs. Mm. You know, I I know when I haven't trained. If I go in, into a boxing club and I hit the bags or I do some sparring or whatever, if I haven't been running, I can feel it. My feet are left behind me. You know, my 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 quads aren't strong. My glutes aren't strong. I can feel my legs are fatigued. My lungs are. It opens. Running opens my chest up as well. It expands my chest. I can literally feel that after two or three weeks, my, my lung capacity uh, after running, you know, and plus it drops your weight, like, you know. Um, mm. with, with bare knuckle, like, you know, bare knuckle is, um, bare knuckle is um, a little bit different, like, because the way you punch in bare knuckle, like, you have to be very careful, like, you know, so it's a lot slower, more shot selective, like, you know, than just amateur boxing where you'd be on your toes and because you're protected with gloves, and headgear, you can just tip away and move. Mm, you know what I mean. But mm. with bare knuckle, like you know, you you like for example, if if I'm in a boxing ring and I I've, I've got you know uh, twelve ounce or ten ounce gloves, whatever I'm fighting in uh, gloves, I can protect my head like with a lot with the gloves on a lot of those shots, and they do the peekaboo style where you walk forward, you know, tick tock left right your head to slip punches and walk forward and throw mm. shots. In bare knuckle, you can't do that. You can't just put your fists up to protect your head. Right. Your your face. Look at look at the you know like yeah, your fists yeah. only cover a small yes. area of your head. 
So you unless know, unless you're fast and nippy. Unless you're fast, like, but you, it's 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 completely different. It's quite brutal, like, you know what I mean. Now we've all seen these, and plus the the injuries you can get on your hands, like your fists. If you've got brittle hands, I mean, that show I boxed on last year, I had fourteen ounce gloves on. It was a white collar, you know, but I broke my knuckle. Do you know what I mean? Now I hit hard, like, you know, and I caught him with a lovely shot, but do you know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, um, so, you know, there's there's risks, like, you know what I mean? We, we've all seen these, these very, they become very popular, these, these sort of YouTube videos of burn knuckle fight, fighting, mm -hmm. traveling communities and whatnot, mm -hmm. pitched against one another. Mm -hmm. Within that sport, you, you, you see very different body types. Some of them seem grotesquely obese, don't seem very fit, yeah. but yet they can take a punch. Yeah. So is it more a case of practice, getting hit, doing something to, to get to that level where you can take a punch and then you can deliver a, a killer blow? What, how, how does it work? <laughs> well, you do, yeah, you do get like, you get a lot of lads who would, would have been ex-boxers, they've put weight on, you mm. know, a lad that maybe fought a middleweight, now he's up a cruiser weight, you know, he's got a stone and a half in him. There, there, there is like, you, you need, you know, yeah, you need to be able to take a punch in beer knuckle boxing, like, you know, because... Mm. If you've ever been in a street fight, like it, it hurts, like do you know what I mean? It hurts getting punched in the face with a bare fist, like it's an awful clubbing feeling, like. But it you doesn't hurt I mean? you you anymore because you're used to that. Well, it does. It hurts, still hurts, like like when I but if you, I went, if you're I more, went, you're more conditioned to it, though, aren't you? I am conditioned. I, I don't I, think my, my my neck. You you need to condition your neck as well, like if you're going into the bare knuckle, like you see a lot of them thick necks, you know, and they literally do like multiple exercises in the next to mm. you know because it's a shock absorption like you know what I mean you'll you'll find with them they have strong legs like you know they work the legs a lot and that's to keep your solid base because a lot of the time your 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 feet it's different to amateur your feet are flat footed you know you're driving your power through the floor to turn your hips and you know to get power out of your shots and and to absorb punches as well like you have know, you so. never uh, thought about going into this particular sport no. Would you not? Why would you not be interested? Well, one, one is the biggest one is my hands. Like I think my hands, my left hand is already. I've broke my knuckle twice in my left hand. Like, you know. So and and I broke the outside knuckle as well. Like you know. So I so basically. Does that not I, give you an advantage? No, I I it's I I think it's once it's weakened. I broke the same knuckle, same metacarpal, mm. twice in the same location. It snapped once when I was twenty one when I got into a scrap, and then the same last year on the show when I fought in that show in Bolton, it snapped in the second round. You know, mm. so it's like, if I go in and hit somebody, and I the thing is, I hit hard as well. So if I hit somebody bare knuckle, like, I think I, I might just end up snapping my, you know, my knuckles. And what what will I be left with then? Like, you know, an injury for months and then I'm on a downer. You know what yeah. I mean? Because I can't train. Like when I was doing the MMA training, you mentioned MMA, mm. I wanted to fight, uh, take an MMA fight uh, because my legs are very good. My grappling's good. I'm strong because I grew up working on farms and that. Like, you know, so I'm quite strong with my wrestling. Mm. But um, I got an injury in my toe. It's called turf toe. Yes. I, 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 Do you, are you aware of that, Matthew? Mm. Turf toe was coined in America when they brought out the turf for the footballers to play on, you know, the high school football. Yeah. And they started having injuries in the, the large toe uh, on, 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 the, on, on the feet, on both feet. And it's basically from impact, there was no given in, in the turf. Right. And it, it was basically a hyperextension and it, it was coined then turf toe. But I got that training doing the MMA. Um, 
What, you from, know, from the impact of the foot on the, uh, from 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 lifting up on my foot mm. and turning as as I turn my foot that I put my weight on to kick with the other leg, mm. it was it basically cracked both toes like you know so I I got this uh, turf toe so I had to stop that then and I was on a downer then for a month after that because I really wanted to fight in the cage like yeah. I really did like because mm. my boxing's not bad you know and all round you know and that was so I've just gone back to the boxing training now like. It, it's this it must have been well, it was clearly very disappointing for you to get the turf toe. Would the looking back on it, could you not have Yeah, war- warmed up properly. Um that that would have been the biggest one I think. Probably probably I was cold as well. I hadn't been running a lot. But when when it was coming on you, could you not have gone to a different part of the body to work out, you know, to give it rest or to just well, you, I, I couldn't walk. I could have hobbling for two weeks after it. Like. So you left it too long by then, surely? Well, no, it just happened. Like, it just comes it, on it, it doesn't come, just come on. You can feel it. And it feels like a numb, odd feeling. Mm. You know what I mean? And by that stage, it was too late. Going back to the running, if I had been running for weeks before it to build up the, 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 the ligament strength and the muscular strength mm. in, my, in the bottom of my foot and my Achilles and my calf, I don't think that would have happened. Um, that, so, that's, so, so you've walked away from that surely you, you could have gone back and, and d- done what you wanted to achieve yeah I thought about it so like, close to getting that getting in the cage yeah and and now having to change in a different direction yeah well, well I just thought look the boxing's going well and it's, it's look for me as well like you know it's about uh, being happy like you know and keeping my head above water like you know it's not just about it's not just about, you know, achieving something in MMA or boxing, like, you know, but it's about, you know, having something to look forward to, not being injured and being happy day to day, like, you know, so, like, I'll just stick with the boxing, like, you know. And all these sports relate to one another within the cage because you're using boxing, as you say, grappling, judo, all these different mixed martial arts. Mm-hmm. The success stories within that sport, do they have a particular background in a particular discipline or, or is it just a c- combination uh, you mean who, 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 which, 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 which base sports thrive the most in MMA? Do you yes, mean or? Yes, yes. Well, I, I think, I think, um, well, box, boxing and and wrestling. Really? Yeah. Wrestling yeah. and boxing, yeah. So you can go from boxing into that environment. And, and yeah, if you learn, if you learn jujitsu and learn takedown defense, and isn't that a huge thing to ask a boxer to learn? Doesn't it? Doesn't does it take years? No, or? because no. like I've, I've, you know, I've spared like I've spared a lot of different lads. Like I've spared a lot of MMA lads, jujitsu lads, um, you know, and um, Thai boxers, kickboxers. Actually, the MMA guys, the guys who start MMA fundamentally, because you know. You start MMA training, mixed martial art training hours. Years ago, you you either came from a discipline of Thai boxing, boxing, jiu-jitsu, do you know what I mean? Mm. The MMA guys seem to have better hands for some reason than the Thai boxers. Even though the Thai boxers drill punches more, I don't, I don't, it must be something with the stance. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, but um, I, fa- I found it like, you know, quite, quite, um, I found it a big plus for me going in against sparring MMA guys like I would be confident you know my hands like you know what I mean that like you're right I can really drill through you know even though we're tipping sparring if I want to hit, really hit hard I can hit hard like and probably hurt somebody like you know so that's a confidence thing like you know and then you add in you know if you want to you know compete then you need to be able to stop a wrestler taking you down you know um, and that's what I want to know right we've discussed all these sports I want to talk about competition within your sports 
uh, mindset, the psychology and diet in particular, healthy eating and, and the way you could uh, continue on that d direction with stoicism, let's say, with, with, mm -hmm. with, 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 um, with the discipline, courage and, and, and any tips for the listener in regards to, to many of these subjects that we wish to go into in this second part of the show? Keep your eye on the prize. So you need a goal. That's, that's, you, that's, yeah, yeah. You, for, for me, what my is your goal? Like, Have you got a goal? Because you, you had a goal. Yeah, well, 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 I was thinking like, look, um, you know, I, I, I'm 34. Um, I'm not a bad boxer. Uh, I have a lot to learn. Like, um, but you're, you're very humble in that regard because some guys think they know it all, don't they? But you, you talk yeah, yourself well, down. Yeah. Is, it, is, it, is that a psychological thing to talk yourself down and then... And then when you surprise, I don't, I don't, surprise I don't, I don't, people, surprise. I don't like to when people say, "Oh, you're good at this." Like, I just don't like to. You like to play it down because then you can sort of go in there. I I don't know. I, I don't I don't I just feel I feel uncomfortable. Like you know, I, I might be a humble character. Maybe you might say, but but um. So the goal is for you. So the, the goal the goal I was thinking like you know, if I could, you know, not this year but maybe next year, win a novice ABA under twenties. Under title. So, so that would be realistic maybe for You're me. You're 34. No, right? so under 20 fights. Uh, oh. So it's different. <laughs> for example, if I went into the boxing in Ireland as an amateur, mm. I'd be a senior now. I'd be in against guys who have 30, 40, 50, 60 fights if yes. they haven't already moved from... So you have novice, intermediate, and then senior. I would be in... Or you have like under 20s year, and then you move on to intermediate after that. Like and I, I've no chance of winning against these lads unless I train for the next two years and I really, really knuckle down. Like, well, you say so, you've got no chance. Should you give yourself a chance? Well, that's that's what I'm trying to do. So, so the idea maybe is that right? Okay, I've I've had five or six fights. Uh, I can go in against guys. I know that the the, the maximum amount of fights that these guys will have in the UK will be twenty, um, unless they have books from other countries that they're lying about. And I I have a possibility of beating some of these lads. You know, mm -hmm. realistically, you know what I mean. Yes. Um. That that's my that's my goal. If I can, the goal is to get a fight, uh, possibly on a show at the end of September. Gauge myself, get in some sparring with some lads from different clubs in the area, and see what level I'm at. That's mm. that's the goal. And then look towards this uh, numbers under twenty fights. It's called. Yeah. Look yeah. look towards. When is that, that championship? I think I think they're on in uh, October of this year. Would you not have a go this year? It depends on the coach. Depends yeah. on what the coach you, thinks. You like. mentioned that to him. Perhaps you could you could look. Yeah, at well, like you know, he, there's no you know, harm in having a go, is there? No, there's there's no harm in having a go. But like some of these lads are pretty good too. Like even if they, you know, even if they are only they've only got ten fights. I mean, mm. they've got a lad in the club there, Alex. Um, Alex Chisnell, who, yeah. Yeah, Chisnell, yeah. Chisnell, yeah. And he's he's had fourteen fights, I think, and he's he's a very, he's very good boxer. Good. Like, very yeah, good, yeah, he's very good. Like mm. you know. Um, so I'd have to be, you know, Merseyside, uh, Merseyside champion, I Merseyside think, champion, uh, Cheshire, I think, or, or something like is that. Is that something else you could be looking at? The county sort of championships. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what the categories are here. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm not, I'm not English. Like I don't know. I wasn't, you know. But like that, that could be something. Maybe a North Area title or whatever. Like we'll see. Like you know, the thing, the the, the so thing that, is that, to so to get to this point, as you mentioned, what tips are necessary? Like. Don't drink if you want to compete. Eat healthy. Get to bed on time. 
Um, you need to have downtime, and you need to do strength and conditioning. How do you not. how do you get how do you maintain that? Because I know you had a slip up recently. You had a few jars mm-hmm. <laughs> in, the, in the French in the French Riviera. <laughs> yeah. Now I I see myself as teetotal now. You know, five yeah. six months, and yeah. I thought you were the same. So did I. You let yourself down. Let myself down. Yeah. yeah. But you're back on the straight and narrow. Back on the straight and narrow. How do you maintain um, this this road of not not just zero alcohol, eating clean, buying the right foods? What are the right foods for a boxer? Or a well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you what, what keeps what? me on that road. You're not, certainly not a vegan. You don't believe no, in that. No, no. I, that, I actually I actually am a believer in eating red meat and eat the fat kids because eat, eat the fat eat the fat on the steak because I, we need saturated fat. Your liver needs saturated fat for hormone production. It's very important. Very important. This idea that that the fat on meat or red meat is bad for you is the the, the most ridiculous thing yes, that I've heard. I agree. I with mean, you. you go out to some African countries, yes, and the predominantly or out to the tribes, and predominantly, meat and fat is the is the predominance of their diet. Like you know, mm. sixty seventy percent, and then they would have some veg. So you know, I don't know where 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 this idea came about that we shouldn't eat red meat. Or it's bad for you. I mean, people. Some people eat it every day, like. And me, me, and my good friend Huey here, we quite often sit down together with a good ribeye steak. Good ribeye steak. We, we did last night. Yeah, and we eat the fat and everything, don't we? We eat the fat. And we eat spuds, vegetables. Yeah. What else would you ideally? Because of, of course, we, you have a sweet tooth as well, don't you? Like an ice cream. But what would what, what would ideally be the the diet? You know, consistently. The diet consistently, I think, for boxing really is like you know you're more of a high carbohydrate intake because you're doing a lot of cardio and high intensity like you know but you know fruit fresh fruit uh you do need red meat you do need red meat i believe for your strength and you need fat for your strength what about fish does fish not fish fish? is good fish is brilliant like you know fresh fish is good and you mentioned the market give the market a shout out in bolton was it well there's bolton market you can go and get fresh fruit and veg there you said that was much better much better quality and it's not you know it doesn't yeah you're you're cancelling out all the logistics involved um you know and, and you know time you know so it could be a week fresher you know what I mean? And In much more. The, the supermarkets, um, uh, gone. The reason being the, the logistics that they're having yeah, to yeah. travel. Yeah, you're, get, you're getting you're getting fresher fruit and better quality. Right. You know. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So that's that. You know, with the whole. And hydration, process. water. Water is uh, important. Yeah, and do, keeping your stress levels do you, down is do important. You, I meditate like, and I have cold showers. Cold showers are, are, are brilliant for recovery. Yeah, yes, very I, good for recovery. I do and, try that, yeah. And for relaxing, you know, I have a cold shower after boxing. Yes. I'd have a cold shower after it and it helps relax my nervous system before bed, you know. Yes, I've been trying this the same thing. I don't know, what about you, Matthew, in terms of cold water therapy? Um, well, I, I'm, I'm always uh, a fan of an ice bath, so I'm... Oh. I mean, um, the, the one thing they always have to say about the, the, cold, the cold water, though, is that it's better for recovery and things like that but it, mm-hmm. it can slow down the rate of adaptation what does that mean so um, so if you're doing like a hard training session if you're in the middle of like so for a marathon training block for example mm-hmm. um, I won't now now I've read, read into it and stuff like that I, I used to always have ice baths after any time I've done like a really hard session just to help recover mm-hmm. but what the ice bath does is slows down the adaptation of my body to that hard session All right. so the idea is that mm-hmm. we're, the ice bath becomes key in my taper 
kind of my two week two week three week taper for the marathon mm. after you know say 10 weeks of really solid hard, hard work training where yeah everybody's, everybody's needed to adapt in between yeah and then in those three week two week taper period is then whack on the ice bath to make sure that the body gets enough recovery from mm-hmm. all that training yes but i haven't I haven't slowed down the adaptation to that training. Can you actually explain a bit more about this word adaptation and what you exactly know? Well, obviously, when you're training, you're strengthening the body, whether it's the cardiovascular system, whether it's the the muscular system, Mm -hmm. to whatever training you're doing. You know, if it's you know if you're in cross country running, it's hill efforts. If it's you know you're doing uh, speed work and you're you're hitting the track and doing some faster stuff and the lactic threshold things and stuff Mm, like that. So by having the cold bath, the cold bath, what it does is is because basically what the cold bath is is it reduces the inflammation around the muscles, everything that. Yeah. But obviously that inflammation is key for adaptation for the growth. Even though we think it's bad, it is. It is. It's there for a reason. Yeah. So Mm. by Mm. flushing the system with the cold, with the cold, Mm. you slow down that rate of adaptation because instead what you're saying is. That that information is bad and get you know help us reduce it and get rid of it. Whereas mm-hmm. you need that there to send the body to say oh, we need to build more fibers, layer up more muscle fibers on top okay. of that. And is, it, is, that pro- is that proven or is it an idea? Yeah, no, that's the, the science is on. Okay. On that. Yeah, yeah. But so so the, and then what you the idea is that you would use more heat, sort of hot so hot baths, hot showers in the training block to aid the recovery aid without slowing down the other. Mm-hmm. And it's the same as I mean it's the same sure. as like some people yeah. have like a you know you might take an ibuprofen mm. you know uh, you know after a session or before a session sort of thing because you've been a little bit of pain mm. you know I mean? and mm. obviously that helps with with blood flow and all the rest of mm-hmm. it but again it slows down because the ultimate <coughs> ibuprofen is to reduce inflammation so it's yeah. slowing down that adaptation to it's interesting that you say that time. because like I've heard before right mm. like people say you know you know you take a you know you take an anti-inflammatory mm. because you've got a bit of swelling but the swelling your body's the, the fluid's the there for own, a reason, yeah. yeah. That's the body's own natural way of trying yeah. to... Yeah, it's your autoimmune response yeah. or whatever yeah. to, to recovering. So they, I mean, they say that, you know, if you do get an injury and, you know, there is swelling there, is that realistically for the first 48 hours, you, you know, you don't want any... You, you might want paracetamol as a painkiller to yeah. allow you to get through the pain of it. Yeah. But you don't want anything like aspirin or, or ibuprofen because yeah. that's simply, you know, helps... Yeah, you know, and the blood, the blood is there, that, yeah. get nutrients yeah, to that yeah. area, flushing out the toxins, yeah. So intru- yeah. introduce the, well, I'm, I'm going to order myself a, a wheelie bin, a brand new wheelie bin, and I'm going to fill it with water. I'm going to leave it out the back. And my idea was... Couldn't you, about, can I just interject, yes. couldn't you get one, being that you're a professional <laughs> bin man? That's I, a bit of a... I am indeed a very professional. It's a bit ironic that. Could, could, could you not oh, get they, one? They, they won't give you nothing down there. Will they not? No. No can. shout out to... No, St. Helens County Council. Boston, that's what I said. <laughs> but anyway, the, the bin itself. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pay. Now you're going to keep this water fresh? I don't need to keep it fresh. I'll just close the lid on it and, and then leave it outside. And then I'll, I'll change it, let's say, maybe once a, once a year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'll get inside after a session. But now I have to cancel this plan because Matthew's... Just tell me, you know, in regards. Are you going to keep it cold as well? It'll be cold outside, won't it? But in the winter, but it's I'll be freezing in a plastic winter. container. It's going to warm up in the summer, isn't it? I don't know. I don't think it'll be that warm outside. The water. I think you should just go and get it in a river or get in the sea. But you can't just come home late at night from a session and jump in the sea, can you? Unless you live you on the French Riviera. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be feasible. No, no you don't. You don't to have to. Be fair, the, the, the sh- a cold shower would be better. After a session, if you're gonna do cold, use cold. It's better after a, after a session because it's 
it's a it's a minimal amount of time that the cold is on you than if you were doing it in a, in a bin or in a, an ice bath because that's you, you do that for a period of like 10, 10 minutes or true like so if I'm, true whereas because they still do like they have like the cryotherapy chambers so uh, yeah yeah so they're I'm still useful yeah. post hard session even though that's obviously cold yeah but because literally it's like thirty seconds at, at really <clears throat> cool temperatures. Mm. Yeah. It, it flushes it helps with the recovery and flushes the body but without it doesn't obviously take away that adaptation factor so I'm, in, I'm a bit confused now so what we're saying so after sessions are we are we advocating cold water therapy or are we not in, I'd say I'd say it, it's it depends how hard a session it is but I'd say yeah if you're just going to do a short like you know a quick cold sh- you know cold shower or something like that then you're probably not re- you know, you're going to have a little slowdown of adaptation to it, but yeah. not to the same degree that you would do if you went and sat in the a 10 minute, you know, ice bath sort yeah. of thing, which for, is a different... For me, the reason I have cold showers after training is just to relax my nervous system because I'm quite a flighty character. Like, like for example, if I finish boxing at seven or half seven, yes. I'm burning up like, and I struggle to sleep then. I get restless legs. I think that's quite ordinary, don't know. Yeah, and, and, but I don't like that because I'm a person that needs good sleep the way my mind is. I'm that type yes. of character. What do you say to... to to get good sleep or to help with sleep if you you know is, your is lower your body temperature, body temperature yeah and naturally to wake up in the morning if you want to sort of warm up yeah yeah slowly up, sort of yeah so the wheelie bin <laughs> we'll postpone that idea for now but it's it's an idea that i may go to meditation huey tell me about how uh, in practice do you do you meditate what, what's well in, in the morning for example this morning i was up at 6 a.m being the the um, dedicated athlete that i am <laughs> that that's that's not a regular thing either. I just happened to wake up and I saw the Anthony Joshua fight on YouTube. But yeah, so my my routine is I get up in the morning, uh, I have a cold shower. I don't spend too long in there, but I just wake. How long do you spend in there? Yeah. Uh, I, I I wait in there until the shock goes out of me, and then I might I can actually breathe a little bit deeper. So it's it's your body going from parasympathetic into parasympathetic. So it's your vagus nerve stimulated. Your breath is starting to deepen. Do you know what I mean? That's when you're going into parasympathetic. So your nervous system is starting to relax there. And then I use that to help my meditation then. So I go in there and I've got, I bought this meditation chair and I have that in my room. And it's like a like an old fashioned armchair you'd see beside a fireplace in the houses back home. To see you come in then. And, and, and uh, <laughs> I, I bought it for, I think it was 20 pounds. Oh, good deal. Cheap. Good deal. And uh, I have that in my room and I sit there flat footed, kick the shoes off, bare feet, arc myself and I do I run through a I do a body scan first so I start with my feet. Yes. And I will just focus my attention. People have this idea about meditation that you just have to sit there and focus on your nostrils. You know and and think about <laughs> and think about your breath going in and out, which is awfully boring like. Yes. You know. Yes. So um I was actually taught this by a counselor when I was 21 this body scan she mm. so I was going through a bit of a fa- I was 19 actually yeah. I was going through a uh, personal things when I was that age and um she yeah. instead of talking to me she just obviously realized that I was in a state of serious anxiety and her goal for the session was to help me which is what I needed yes. to relax so I would go in there we would do this body scan and I would sometimes be close to falling asleep and then I would walk out of there feeling like I'm floating on clouds for half an hour until the stress came back in. She you know, was a very good therapist. Brilliant, brilliant woman, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so what I do is I do um, I start with my feet and you, you know you can start by saying relax, relax, tell the muscles to relax, move up through your ankles, your joints. You can f- concentrate on if there's any pain. 
just become aware yeah. of the muscles and oftentimes when I get to my glutes you might find as well I get this like when I say relaxer I get this like relaxation feeling in my glutes because there's so much tension there so if there's tension in your body it'll release it yeah. and then I go up my back around the back of my neck down my face and I can feel my face muscles relaxing and then down my chest and when I get to my chest I can feel if there's tension there and the hardest part is to slowly focus on just allowing that tension to release out of my chest and then I start to feel my stomach so I concentrate and just breathing down into my stomach and then then that's when the that's when you can start then focusing on your breath and relaxing a bit more and that's that's how I do my meditation routine See, I, I find, I've tried meditation, I find it, very, as you say, very boring, you know, with yeah. the, the nostrils and whatnot. Yeah. You're, you're doing this on a daily basis. I do it every morning. So you're having much more success with it than me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you'll find and as how well. How long does it last for? Sorry, it's... I, I could meditate, I've meditated there for 25, 30 minutes sometimes. Yeah. You know, but this, the, yeah. doing the body scan. Very impressive. Yeah, well, and as well, like, when you start to, when you're in that, like, and, you know, after doing the body scan is brilliant because it helps you relax. And you mm. start to, you know, you get rid of that you breathe out that nervous energy that yeah. we're all trying to get rid of, like, you know. But could you not do that just reading a book? I do find reading a book, I'm reading about Bruce Lee at the moment, the focus in itself has a similar impact, does it not, as, as a meditation? I don't think so, because I've, I've read a lot of books, like... And okay, and you don't find that relaxes you all? It, it does, yeah. It's supposed, I think it's actually proven that mm -hmm. reading relaxes you. Well, it, what, this, it, what this, does it do? Like, it, it makes you focus you on a particular well, point. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that's something um, stimulate mentally. I, I mostly read, like, running autobiographies, and I feel quite mm. motivated and inspired. After yeah. That. So I'm not necessarily relaxed. I'm more like, I want to get out and go for a run. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've, I've, I've uh, got this, uh, because after me being on holidays in France, I like it so much, I want to learn French. Yes. And John Joe was kind enough to give me this Michel Thomas. Michel Thomas, fantastic. Fantastic uh, learning language method. Yes. Which uh, which you don't need any homework for at all. I suggest anybody who wants to learn a language to uh, check it out. I also suggest and watching the documentary, uh, Michel Thomas. Um, yeah. God bless him. He's not no longer with us, but he, he mentions in the, in the beginning of the documentary how uh, the school environment... Uh -huh. Didn't work for him. Uh -huh. He oppo opposes that environment. Yeah, and yet he mastered, I think, about ten languages. Ten languages. Yeah, and, I, and created this this yeah. amazing. Uh, so I, I was the same. Also, the the point I was making was that the this is actually quite stimulating for me. So I have it on in my car, the CD, and I get great enjoyment out of it. Mm. Like you know, so. And again, the goal you link it in with the goal, you know, going to France either to live or to spend time there and being able to engage with the people in their language. Yeah. That, that is the goal, I imagine. It's not just simply you go... Yeah, I, I, I want, I want to... Because, because when you're in different countries, like, and there's nothing more frustrating than not being able to communicate with somebody. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's extremely frustrating. Like, you know, like, I lived in Denmark, I lived in Sweden. You know, I worked there and worked in Stockholm, I worked in Copenhagen, brilliant places. But it's extremely frustrating when you can't understand the language, like... You know, and you're and you're stood there looking at somebody in the shop, and you're like, "I want," and you're using your hands, and they're looking at you, saying as if to say, "Like what security. the hell? What, security. What, what, what the hell? What the hell have you come to my country for to speak to me in English?" Like, you know what I mean? Um, and as well, people in other countries, the French especially, they appreciate 
when you're trying to le- speak, you know, to learn yes. their language and speak that way. Yeah, I, I think it feels it feels. So, I've experienced that myself. On a, it's a great very, connection. Like, yeah, yeah. Any any particular language, if you go into that country, basic phrase at the very least, you make that effort. You connect with the people at a much deeper level. So yeah, it's, it's quite. It's, it's a beautiful experience. Yeah, it's a good thing. And I, I like the culture out there. And I want to be able to mix there. And I was considering, you know, if I learn the language, you know, in you know, a couple of years, I might move out there. Moving to Monaco. Yeah. Uh, no, Nice. <laughs> which is which was originally called Niger. Yeah. yeah. So. So you've got that goal with your language, your sport. We've talked about diet. So much. Although you're drinking Pepsi right now, where does that come into your clean, clean Is sugar or I, I I don't see a can of Pepsi. Sugar, sugar is 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 the enemy, I think. But yeah, well, do you disagree well, because well, you you often come in and you say, well, "I yeah. need sugar, I need sugar." Yeah, well, but well, this is morning, that what you need? No, well, uh, yes, we need sugar, like because there's two different energy systems in the body, isn't there? We run on ketones or we run on glucose. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, sugar. So sugar is only is goes in moderation because it spikes your insulin levels, and when you spike your insulin levels, that increases the the intake of fat into the cells, into the into the body, I think the storage of fat, um, it's and, and as well that affects your hormone levels. Yeah. So when I did the keto diet, which was to- carnivore basically, I ate only meat mm. for about two and a half, three weeks. My mood was so good because I wasn't yeah. spiking no, up and down. Same. I did the same thing. Did you? Yeah, did yeah. you? Yeah, we went after we went to speak with Charlie Spedding. Right, okay. Uh, oh, I did yeah, yeah. And actually, I, I lost the most weight. I, I'd lost the age. I was back down at like 10 and a half stone, under 10 and a half stone. And all yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. I found it dead. dead. And, it was, and it, was, it was nice food as well. Yeah, and yeah. And you enjoy like the, the, the nice meals because you, you have to be a little bit more creative because there's not were, as Were you much, doing uh, just carnivore or keto? So were you doing the veg as well? I was doing the veg as well. As, no, as, no, no, yeah. fruit, no fruit or anything like that. Yeah, you're just like doing... Veg, like, you know, potato, well, potatoes, carrots, that sort of veg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and obviously the meat, like... Yeah, yeah. Very clean diet, yeah. like. Yeah, and, and just natural stuff you got from the... Yeah, from the and, and your yeah. your brain favours... your your It's proven your brain favours ketones. So you're so when you basically... And, and this is, goes back to my point. People say that fat is bad for you. It's not bad for you because your body uses fat as an energy source and to produce ketones, your liver turns it into ketones and your brain prefers that. It, it has a better stimulating effect on the brain. So it, it drops the levels of the excitatory amino acids, which is, I think, um, is it glucosamine or something like that? There's something, some amino acid and, and they, it's so effective, the keto diet, that they, they put people with severe epilepsy on these diets, they put them on an Atkins diet because it drops that level of excitatory amino acid in the brain, which must affect that that's that part of them that causes the illness, you know. Um, so back to my point, um, keeping your sugar levels low are important, I think, for anybody, like, you know what I mean? Keeping them low. Yeah, keep yeah. your sugar, sugar intake low, like, yes, you know, so, yes. and, and use, use complex carbohydrates, you know, so eat root vegetables, you know, rice, um, fruit is good for you as well, like you know. But obviously, the fruit we have today is GMO fruit. It's you know, it's it's bred to have a lot more sugar. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, sweet is sort of the, and that, and then addictive sort of cravings. Yeah, like, yeah, addictive like. cravings. I mean, it's, it's funny to be fair because obviously when I'm marathon training, I, I crave sugar like mad, and it's basically because mm-hmm. I'm tired and I'm working and I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. And um, really, what I should have is you know some 
you know, whole meal and, and you know, and protein, tiny protein sort of stuff, but because mm-hmm. sugar's so, you know, a chocolate bar, a kind of fizzy pop or something like that is so accessible and so easy to get, mm-hmm. you just find yourself just, you know, buying yeah. that again. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and obviously, uh, my partner Lucy's pregnant at the moment and obviously, you know, uh, and her sister's pregnant at the moment and they've mm-hmm. never been huge sugar people. Yeah. But now, like you know, loving the desserts and the things like that because they're craving yeah. that energy. Yeah, they're growing that yeah, line. Yeah, and yeah. Actually, the, again, the easiest thing mm-hmm. to get is mm-hmm. you know an ice cream, a can of coke, a can of course, bar of chocolate. chocolate yeah, it's just straight off sugar in the body, and it feels like it's yeah, you know, doing what you what you're craving. But obviously, at the same time, you, you get that spike, and then you got that. Crash, yeah, and it's and it's, it's hitting your mood. Yeah, yeah, it's which you don't me. get if you you know yeah. fueling with you know something more wholesome mm-hmm. and things that sort of mm-hmm. thing, and a slower burning sort of carbohydrates or fat source mm-hmm. I want to bring this wonderful episode to an end we've, we've got just over an hour there but I want to ask finally maintaining that straight path going forward you know you've got your goals you've got your diet you've got your meditation how do we stay on that trajectory of, of going forward um, I, 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 I think I think you have to have a balance you need to be personally well you know like you need you need to be happy outside of work and training like you know so for me I've noticed like I struggle a lot with you know I obsess about work I obsess about training and then I get to a point where I have a blowout and I go and drink you know what I mean and then I feel terrible like you know so I think like you know after coming back from France I kind of realised as well with the way people live out there well, like I'm, it's so I'm drinking. I mean, alcohol out in France and stuff like that is, yeah. you know, it's 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 part of the culture. It's not as it's not a drinking binging and, and no, and it's, a, it's just a nice with a meal and it's a lifestyle yeah. and casual. And yeah. you know, from a young age, it's sort of like you know promoted in that sort of healthy yeah. sort of addition. Of course, just, you know, part of like mm-hmm. a, a life and not something like I suppose <coughs> in the UK we put so much thing on like oh alcohol you can't have it like, yeah. as soon as you're allowed to drink it that's like it's, it's going yeah. on like you know knocking them back isn't it cu- cu- culturally like and I think coming because obviously we're islands too mm. the UK and yeah. Ireland um, and like you know and we, we, co- we maybe we come from that cold weather uh, hard farming labour up until you know recently yeah. miners you know yeah. what I mean hard slog like you know whereas maybe out in these other countries hot countries maybe they had a slightly place you know, I'm not saying that, you know, but it seems to be that they don't have too much stress out there. They're farming, it's in the nice weather, they're farming. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, like, you know, they're not, uh, and they're not using alcohol to warm their bones yeah. or warm their chest. I mean, years ago, people here would drink beer. Um, you know, back 100 years ago, people mm. drank beer because it was cleaner than water. Do you know, there was yeah. a lot of factors, like. So, it's very cultural here, like. But for me, it's it's keeping a balance, Um balance 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 and, and one more thing on addiction we mustn't forget this I think we're both aware the mobile phone is very addictive yeah YouTube I, I've cut out Facebook uh, I cut out I've cut out all social media because I'm I'm that type of person I obsess like you know addictive you know personality whatever you want to call it so I cut out like you know even like Tinder and these things like I find you're scrolling on and all of a sudden an hour's gone like and it's such a waste of time um, and oftentimes with social media I found that it just spiked my anxiety levels when I'm on it like it was like quite stressful and I felt like I had no privacy almost you know what I mean where yeah. all these people are right there you know and I can get messaged off people you know so I, I cut all that stuff out now how did you implement that particular change because that was a big step just to cut everything out it was hard it was very hard I first cut out Facebook about two years ago mm. 
But I almost felt like... Or was it like a, just a simple cut completely? Or? Delete, delete the account and then what? Uh, you had 30 days to... Because they're, they're clever, like they know that you, you'll want to go back to it. Mm. So they give you 30 days before they'll delete it. And what I did was, I think I wrote down my password, changed my password to a new password that I'd written down the piece of paper, put it in to delete it, and then scrumpled up the password and then burnt it. How I couldn't log back in. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Anybody want their, out there want a tip on how to do that? That's that's your answer. Um, Instagram, very addictive. And yet you're on Instagram, or are you? No, I've, I've got rid of it. I got rid of it. I find that I just get overwhelmed with it. Yes. You know, I don't think you're the only... A lot of the stuff is like... You're only putting on... People only put either... It's, it, they've choreographed it to look yeah, it's perfect, quite false. they're like, only putting on when you know something that is yeah you know sort of thing anyway isn't yeah it? yeah I mean, I'm, you know i'm here put a you know good race result on and stuff like that and I, I mean it was a couple of years ago when I, I i did the tour the first time and then two weeks later i did the the national champs and got lapped and, and finished last and you know you sort of said to me you know you need to post about that as much as yeah. you got the tour and i did and yeah because you know, it, it was it was like well, it woke me up from me, me coming off the tour of winning it and being like, oh, yeah, this is great. Yeah. To then being, you know, the level I wanted to be at, to be shown, like I say, I'm a long way yeah. behind the guys that, you know... You, you don't find a social media problem, though. You're you're happy co- yeah, existing I, I alongside it, obviously, with business and whatnot, but the, the, you, you that's a, where do you... Really, do you ever feel like you just wish you could get away from that? Oh, yeah, I wish I could get away with it completely. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, but because I use it for the business, it, I've got to have the account and I've got to sit there. But I then try not to be on it because when I'm away from the business, because then it's, you know, not... I don't need it in the in the everyday life sort of thing because mm-hmm. it's just for the business. Well, the, the other point I might make is that... Are we still on your... Uh, I think so. I think yeah. we're still recording. It, it, the screensaver came on, but it, it, it normally goes off when I shake your mouth. Uh, I, I think as well, like, it goes back to the point of being content in yourself because I, I would find if I'm bored, I'll just jump onto social media. And then all of a sudden, I'm two hours in. Do you know what I mean? Or you're wanting... And it might be that you want to talk to somebody or, you know, and, and there's like, they're built in a way that they reward you because that dopamine reward response in your brain, you know what I mean? And then you get rewarded for putting pictures on that people like and all this nonsense, but it's fixed and it's fake and it's not natural. Mm. And and all you're doing is building a, a, a fake virtual life. Yes. You know, and you're and, mm. and like, whereas you, you, you probably have a good balance in your life with your partner you know, things you're planning, um, racing, you're very driven on that, your business, you know, so you've you've got your, like, you seem to maybe have your balance right and then you don't get sucked into that as easy. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, sure. I'm, I'm sure if you were locked up for the next 10 years and they gave you a phone with Facebook on it, you'd just be completely addicted yeah, within, yeah. within a week. You know what I mean? So, so we're all agreed that this social media epidemic is, is a bad thing really I, I think uh, I, I would describe it as, as as a social disease it's like a disease in society social media it has caused untold unrest in the last 10 years since since it came about it's brought it, you get the worst human beings in society and the craziest ideologies being pumped through society to, to all people because of the internet now like it's 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 the scourge of society currently, you know, and and it's driving people in polar opposite directions. And, like and to other. make that sacrifice to cut off from it is is a way forward. Yeah, and then very... you can you can harness that because then you can then go and maybe learn new subjects, become mm-hmm. very accomplished. Yeah, it 
in whatever it is that you wish to mm -hmm. do. Hugh McKilban, it's been marvellous. It's been my pleasure. Thanks very much for having me on. The Two Men Born to Run, the biggest podcast in the UK for runners at the moment. Yeah. Shout out. Mm -hmm.